Welcome to Litigation Nation. I'm your host, Jack Sanker. Today's stories, Redonda Vaught, a nurse who was found guilty of negligent homicide for the accidental injection of the wrong medication in a 75-year-old patient, which caused a huge backlash among nurses nationwide who said they are overworked and being set up for failure. Legal tech companies are coming in to grease the wheels and make it easier for attorneys abroad to volunteer and help Ukrainians in need of legal services, and a $600 million crypto heist has been linked to North Korea by the FBI. All of that and more, here's what you need to know. Up first, the Redonda Vought case may be something that you've heard about since it's already been in headlines so much, but I'll briefly recap the underlying case before we get to the reasons I'm covering it today. And this is from an NPR story, and NPR has covered it extensively. We'll be quoting from NPR a lot today. Vaught was a nurse in Tennessee. She was working at the Vanderbilt Hospital when a 75-year-old patient was admitted for a brain injury. Vaught was supposed to administer a sedative called Versid to the patient before the patient underwent another procedure. However, Vaught accidentally grabbed Vicaronium, which is a paralytic. The investigative report that NPR cites to says that Vaught overlooked a number of warnings. Versid is a liquid, but Vicaronium is a powder. Both were labeled, and on top of the veil for the paralytic, it had a big red label which said paralytic. Vaught injected the patient with the paralytic, then left the patient alone. Once she returned, the patient was dead. Now, I'll read from the NPR piece. During the trial, prosecutors painted Vaught as an irresponsible and uncaring nurse who ignored her patients and abandoned her patient. Assistant District Attorney Chad Johnson likened Vaught to a drunk driver who killed a bystander but said that the nurse was, quote, worse because if she were driving, her eyes would have been closed. Quote, the immutable fact of this case is that Charlene Murphy, who's the patient, by the way, is dead because Redonda Vaught could not bother to pay attention to what she was doing, unquote. So there were defenses that the Vanderbilt cabinets, which were computerized in one way or another, had certain mechanical problems that would have prevented Vaught from identifying the right drug. However, Vaught did give statements to the police that she, quote, probably just killed a patient, unquote. And she also spoke to the Tennessee Board of Nursing, which she said she was complacent and distracted while using the medication cabinet, saying, quote, I know the reason this patient is no longer here is because of me, unquote. She later said, quote, knowing what I know now, even if the jury finds me guilty, even if Judge Smith decides that prison time is the appropriate sentencing for this and it's the maximum amount of time, I have zero regrets about telling the truth, Vought told the Tennessean last week. So, Redonda Vaught was convicted of reckless homicide and as of the time of this recording is awaiting sentencing. By the way, here's what the statute is in Tennessee. Reckless homicide is a reckless killing of another and recklessness is defined under Tennessee law as quote, reckless means that a person who acts recklessly with respect to circumstances surrounding the conduct or the result of the conduct When the person is aware of but consciously disregards a substantial and unjustifiable risk that the circumstances exist or that the result will occur. So on the question of whether or not Redondavot did it, I mean, she admitted she gave the wrong medication and there was enough medical evidence to conclude that that was the cause of death. She literally gave the wrong drug and that's what killed the patient. Was that reckless? I don't know, but the jury obviously thought so. This case, though, has raised a ton of issues. According to what I've seen, and I'm not a criminal attorney, so this is secondhand, 
But my understanding is that it is rare for someone to be prosecuted under these facts. Now, is what Bot did negligent like in a civil context? Yeah, I think so. Depending on the law in Tennessee, this seems like a likely medical malpractice case. I imagine the family of the deceased patient will have a strong case if they bring one or if they've already settled it. Who knows? That raises the question as to why the prosecutors decide to take this case in the first place. The investigation and indictment of Vought was over a year after she was stripped of her license by the state medical board, for example. So there wasn't really an outcry from the public for this prosecution. Vought was disciplined, and I'm sure the civil case was settled quickly. For example, the decision to prosecute her is a choice by the prosecutors, and I just don't exactly know why they did it here. And the choice to prosecute Vought is inherently a political choice. And so this case is spilling over into the political realm. And I'm now drawing on a recent Axios Nashville report. The current district attorney, Glenn Funk, faces a tough election coming up in May. And his Democratic challengers are hammering on this issue, specifically on this case. Reading now from the Axios piece, quote, Challenger Sarah Beth Myers, a former federal prosecutor, seized on the conviction. She criticized District Attorney Glenn Funk for prosecuting, saying it was a medical malpractice issue that didn't belong in criminal court. Myers called the case a miscarriage of justice and an example of Funk courting media attention in a TikTok video that has more than 130,000 views. Unfortunately, Ms. Vaught was a casualty from the insistence on making headlines instead of making real criminal justice reform, Myers said. The Myers campaign tells Axios she received about $12,000 in donations since speaking about the case. Meanwhile, P. Daniel Nellis, a former prosecutor who is also running for DA, said that she would not have prosecuted the Vaught case because it appeared to be a classic medical malpractice issue. Nellis questioned how Funk's office became involved in why this particular nurse was singled out, unquote. So the reaction from nurses across the country has been extremely harsh, and you can look for yourselves on social media. I'm telling you, it's not hard to find. The general sense is that nurses were caught off guard by this. Specifically, since Vaught immediately admitted her wrongdoing and had cooperated with investigations, basically admitted to the crime that she was later charged of with the licensing board hearings, after a verdict like this, why would a nurse ever cooperate or admit to making their own mistakes again, says some of the critics online. Nurses are complaining that long hours, short staffing, dangerous conditions will always lead to mistakes like the Vought case and that basically the mistakes Vought made were within the known and predictable, if not acceptable, margins of error for the profession. A nurse named Jamie Garner is quoted in another NPR piece on this. She's a nurse activist from St. Louis saying, quote, in response to a story like this, there are two kinds of nurses, Garner said. You have the nurses who assume that they would never make a mistake like that and usually it's because they don't realize they could. And the second kind are the ones who know that this could happen any day, no matter how careful they are. This could be me, unquote. Now, another nurse, Emma Moore, worked at a community health clinic in Portland, Oregon, that was flooded with COVID patients over the past two years. She struggled to keep up. She felt overwhelmed. She made errors. She had to cut corners and was under loads of pressure. Four days after the Vought verdict came down, she quit. Quote, it's not worth the possibility or the likelihood that this will happen, Moore said if I'm in a situation where I'm set up to fail, unquote. These accounts are relatively common based on what I've read. I don't have a number, but there is a ton of online chatter about nurses quitting over the Vought verdict because they feel like they are exposing themselves to criminal liability. 
And what's shocking to me about this is that while District Attorney Funk is prosecuting the Vought case, basically argued that Vought's conduct was an extreme departure from normal nursing practice. Except thousands upon thousands of nursing voices online are saying, no, it's not. What Vought did happens all the time, even if it doesn't always end with someone dying or getting injured. So I read the statute earlier to all of you, and maybe it's applicable in the Vought case. That's up to you. But the question is, should it be? By all accounts, nurses have been absolutely steamrolled for the past two years during COVID, and I doubt things were much easier before that, and I doubt they're much easier now. Does applying harsh criminal standards like this make things safer for patients? Does it protect patients? That's a central question. And I'm sure opinions will vary on this, but if I'm allowed to offer mine, it seems like the real danger here is is that the conditions, which are apparently so common that nurses all over the country are identifying with a woman who was just convicted of homicide. If nurses all over the country are saying that a homicidal act like that in the Vought case is relatively common, then we need to take a long look at the system that is producing the conditions where mistakes like Vought's can be so frequent. Put another way, is Vought a scapegoat for a bigger problem? It's tough to say. The jury obviously thinks Vought was guilty as charged, and I tend to defer to the jury in those scenarios. But again, if it's that common that nurses everywhere can empathize with Vought, If we want to prevent this from happening again, then we need to look at the systems in place around those nurses. Next, Law360 reports that legal tech company Paladin will be launching an online pro bono portal to allow lawyers abroad to offer legal services to those in need in Ukraine. Ukrainians can apply for legal aid online, and if they qualify, they will be paired with free lawyers around the world who are volunteering to help. Lawyers who want to offer pro bono assistance can sign up with Paladin to make themselves available. Paladin partnered with Ukrainian aid organization Legal Development Network. Quoting from the piece, quote, Ukrainians urgently need pro bono attorneys who are licensed to practice across Europe, especially in Ukraine, Poland, Germany, Hungary, Slovakia, Romania, and Moldova, the company said. The top legal assistance request that LDN, that's Legal Development Network, has received from Ukrainians are for how to recover lost documents, immigration conditions, business relocation, labor rights, and general support for socially vulnerable groups, according to Paladin, unquote. So we mentioned this before in a few episodes now. If you're an attorney and you're looking to get involved and you're licensed in maybe one of these countries, here's the way to do it. In our last story, in March of this year, a whopping $615 million in cryptocurrency was stolen from an online gaming platform that hosts and stores cryptocurrency, and the FBI has just announced that the hackers were probably North Korean state actors. I'll back up and explain a little bit. The game is called Axie Infinity. It's an online game where players fight with cartoon pets and can earn cryptocurrency. I had to look this up, but the game has a pretty complex economy where players can buy and sell resources for their characters. They can form basically trade relations. They can purchase digital plots of land. The players can then earn cryptocurrency, which can be converted into Ethereum, a popular cryptocurrency that can be traded like Bitcoin, for example, uh, during the course of the game. According to Wikipedia, at least, people in developing nations play the game often as their sole source of income. And the amount of money that can be generated through gameplay can be substantial based on the country's exchange rates. So in March of 2022, hackers stole about $615 million worth of cryptocurrency, which left users holding the bag. The BBC piece that I am looking at here 
quotes to a number of people that affected from the hack as having lost anywhere from on the low end $500 to over $10,000, uh, with some having lost their entire life savings. So how did it happen? According to the BBC, quote, Ronin Network, which is the network on which the cryptocurrency economy runs, it's integrated into the video game system. I don't quite understand it, but I'm doing my best to explain it. Ronin Network says that the hack started in November of 2021 when Axie Infinity's user base swelled to an unsustainable size. The company said that the influx of players caused, quote, immense user load, which forced it to loosen security procedures to cope with the increased demand. It says that things calmed down in December, but that it forgot to retighten its security and the hackers took advantage of the back door left open. Economist and author Francis Coppola says, quote, this is pretty typical of crypto companies. We've seen so many hacks and exploits caused by, to be blunt, frank carelessness and lack of concern for the safety of people's funds. Cryptocurrencies are sometimes so anxious to make loads of money or simply accommodate high demand that they put out badly designed and tested code, compromise security, or place too much reliance on infrastructure, unquote. The FBI and the Department of the Treasury put out statements on April 14th, which blamed North Korean state actors for the hack. And the FBI says that North Korea uses, quote, illicit activities, including cybercrime and cryptocurrency theft, to generate revenue for the regime, unquote. Folks, I'm not here to throw shade on crypto. I own some and I mine some and I get it. I'm doing air quotes here. I get it. But this is one of the many, many, many huge heists over the past few months alone. If you hear about some new company that is offering 100% unhackable blockchain technology where your crypto assets are super secured, just think about this example and the many others, some of which we have covered here on the show and put your crypto assets somewhere safe or at least in multiple wallets. All right. Thanks, everyone. That's the show. Um, We've uh, been looking into the way in which this show is getting around word of mouth and elsewise, and, and we're happy to report that we do have some new listeners, both in the United States and across the world, which is great. Um, it's a work in progress as always, but we like the direction that we're going in. For those of you that have been here since the beginning, we appreciate it. We love you. For everyone else, you can always look to find us on Tuesdays when new episodes drop. Otherwise, I'll talk to you next week.